world couldn't handle any more than that, brother. <laughs> it would not be a good thing to have more than one or two like me because uh, I'm weird. But that's a good thing. God says we're supposed to be a peculiar people, right? Right? Nothing wrong with being weird. Just be weird for the right reason. That's what I like to say. So uh, this morning, I get to challenge you a little bit if that's okay. Is that okay? All right. I had to do this with the first group. Looks like I'm going to have to do it with you. Um, this is a Baptist church, right? So that means you can talk back to me when I ask questions, right? We're not doing Frozen Chosen. We're way too far south to do Frozen Chosen, okay? So you're going to have to loosen up. When I ask questions, questions require responses. We good? All right, so you guys ready to go? After all that, after all that warm-up, and then, oops, after all that warm-up, and then we get this. Hey, this is the way it works. Ah, beautiful. There we go. All right. So this morning, I want to challenge you with um, something that I challenge myself with. So I'm going to start it off with this little uh, disclaimer. Please do not think that I am chucking stones at you this morning. Okay? We good? I preach about things that I personally struggle with because I figure if I'm struggling with it, if it's an issue that I'm having to deal with, then I can speak openly and honestly to you. So when you walk out of here today and you say, wow, what a, what a jerk, that guy's telling us how bad we are and how good he is. You heard the wrong person because Carl's not saying that. Carl's saying he's a fellow pilgrim on this journey of life. But I believe that there are times when we have to challenge each other to step out of our comfort zone. And I am one of those that I need that challenge personally because yesterday I got on an airplane and flew to Atlanta, then Atlanta to Little Rock. And my tendency, in full honesty, my tendency is when I got on airplanes is to put the iPod in my ears and go into my own little zone because I don't like talking to people that I don't know. I am not an outgoing person. Regardless of what you see up here, this is not Carl Kirby. This is Carl Kirby under conviction of the Lord Jesus Christ to get out and to do something because we're losing 50 to 88% of the younger generation, okay? And God put that on my heart. It's like, Carl, go do something. And so I'm trying to do it. But I am not an outgoing person. I really am one that will hide in crowds. I'm not, I'm not comfortable around them. I don't like them. For whatever reason, God has put me here. And I don't get it. But I'll do it. So... Uh, don't walk out of here with that. But I'm going to challenge you this morning because this is what I challenge myself with. And I just call this, whose voice are we listening to? Now, be honest. Be honest. Does anybody kind of know what I'm alluding to with my little icon up there? Anybody? Well, thank you. You guys are more honest than the first group because nobody wanted to participate in the first group. So you guys know I'm alluding to that TV show, right? Has anybody not seen the voice TV show? Anybody? Okay, a few of you. And I'm not trying to condemn or anything. Praise God. I mean, you don't watch TV? That's great. That's fine. I do. I'm not going to lie to you. I watch TV. And this is one of my favorite shows. And the reason I like it is because they're nice. I see so many mean-spirited things, but these guys are nice. And the whole premise is, for those of you that don't know, is what you've got is you've got these singers that come out and sing, and there's four judges, okay? So you've got your four judges who are all, most of them are famous, and they're singers, and, you know, they've, they've had great accomplishments, okay? And so um, they're not looking on the first round. They're not looking at the people. They're just listening to the voice. I like that. They're not choosing based on what you look like. They're, ba they're choosing based on what you can do. I like that. 
And then after that, then it goes on and they're helping you to grow and get better. And it's very encouraging. Well, a couple of years ago, one episode was very interesting. This is not a Christian TV show. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not a Christian show. And so uh, this gentleman comes out and he chooses a song that I found very interesting because you've got to understand something. Not a Christian show, and I don't care how good your voice is, if you choose a bad song, you're done. And you don't get a second shot. Well, they introduced something new this year. But anyway, most of the time you're not going to get a second shot. You don't get voted on, you're done. So song choice is just as important, if not more important, than the voice itself. I want you to listen to the choice of song that this gentleman made. Now, you're going to know this song, most of you, and I would ask you, encourage you to sing along. Okay? Here we go. Audio. It's the uh, keyboard. I'm, I'm going to start it again because I want you to sing. On a far away Stood an old rugged cross The emblem of suffering and shame How I love that old cross Where the dearest and best For a world of lost sinners was TV show, Man Chooses the Old Rugged Cross? Did that take guts? That took guts. But this isn't the voice that I'm talking about. That's a TV show. There's a more important voice that we're going to take a look at. And so we'll go to the book of John. But before I go there, i got to say this. ADD, parent, it's a gift from God. They didn't know what it was when I was a kid, so they didn't put me on medication for it, okay? Once you learn how to harness it, brother, I can do more in 30 minutes than most people can do in a day, all right? And after 30 minutes, after 30 minutes, I'm done with it, all right? I'm done with it, and I'm moving on to something else. Learn how to harness it, okay? I got to tell you, I was blessed by the worship this morning, okay? I'm telling you, that, that, that second, this session here, man, y'all were going. And Revelation song, I just, I'm telling you, I felt the Holy Spirit, guys. And I'm not a, I'm not, look, I'm just white cornbread conservative, okay? You see me raising a hand, I'm swatting a fly. I am so conservative, you don't raise hands. But I raised a hand, brother, I'm telling you, I did, I raised a hand. It was beautiful this morning, thank you. And you know one thing that really struck me that I really liked was it was multi-generational. Did you notice the multi-generational worship team? What a blessing to see raising up young men, young ladies to keep going on. That's one of the things we do. That's one of the things I want to encourage you in with you pouring into Teen Revolution. Do you understand how important that is? 
Church, I know there are those that are sitting out there saying, we don't like that kind of music. That's okay. But we have a generation that just flat thinks different. I loved the, 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 the offering there. That was cool. I didn't grow up with that, okay? I grew up Lutheran. Boring. Pipe organ. Okay? So this is all new to me, brother. I like that. I love the worship. But even if it's not my thing, as long as we're glorifying and honoring God, praise God for it. You guys are reaching out to a generation in this teen revolution that is absolutely under attack. You've got to understand that. Satan isn't playing fair. They're coming after this generation with a vengeance. Thank you as a body of Christ to be willing to get behind something like that with the teen revolution, with the champion Christian college to reach out to that generation, guys. That's an important ministry. But we're talking about the voice this morning. So let's start off in John 10. And it says this. Got to put these on. Don't get old. You can't see anything anymore. Then the Jews came around him and said unto him, how long are you going to make us doubt? And I'm going to do the loose paraphrase. Okay, bear with me. Just time. Okay, just kick it along. If you're the Christ, tell us plainly, Jesus answered them, I told you. Now, I like that. I really do. Because I spent eight and a half years of my life in Chicago. I was an air traffic controller at O'Hare International Airport when they were the world's busiest. You wonder why I speak quickly? There's a reason. If you don't speak quickly at O'Hare, you don't last, okay? But there's a Chicago attitude. If any of you have ever been up there, you ask somebody a question, and it's like they treat you like you're dumb because you ask a question. What? I told you. And I kind of see that going through. Even though Jesus wasn't from Chicago, I know that. I kind of see that attitude poking through here. I told you. And you don't believe me. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness to me, but you don't believe me because you're not of my sheep, as I said unto you. You see, guys, in that response from Jesus, we see something very clearly. It's not that he's not telling us. We hear what he's saying. We don't like what we hear. That's typically the problem that I run into. And so when we don't like what we hear, you know what we do? You blow them off. You disregard them. Uh, ignore it. Or, or, Carl, my response when somebody comes up to me and throws things at me that I don't like, I fight back. I attack the messenger. You think you're better than me, you closed-minded in time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay? That's my response. Instead of listening sometimes and accepting and receiving the fact that I might, be not do, I might not be doing things correctly. We do nothing. There are 400,000. Hear my heart. This is not mean-spirited. There are 400 plus thousand churches across the nation of America. Over 400,000 churches. And Christianity is almost invisible in the culture. 50 to 88% of the young people raised in the church are gone by the time they're age 18. Why is Teen Revolution so important? Why is Champion Christian College? Why is your private school, Christian school so important? Because that generation is under attack. We hide. 400,000 churches and for Christianity to be as invisible as it is in the culture, we're hiding, let's be honest. Jesus continues, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Neither shall any man take them out of my hand. Now, guys, I got to tell you, I love that. I love that. 
Because that's a promise. That's a guarantee. And I don't know about you. I bought a car that had a bumper-to-bumper warranty. True story. Bumper-to-bumper warranty within a 1,000 miles. I had a flat tire. And I took it back to the dealership to get that tire fixed. And we don't fix those kind of flats. What? I got a bumper-to-bumper. I paid extra to get a bumper-to-bumper warranty. Our tire's in between the bumpers, yeah. Oh, but we don't fix those kind of flats. What do you mean you don't fix those kind of flats? That's a sidewall flat. We only fix the flats on the bottom of the tire, not the side of the tire. Look, the world wants to nickel and dime you. The world wants to... Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus gives you and I a guarantee. Nobody can take you out of his hand. That's something you can take to the bank. You never need to be ashamed. You never need to be afraid. He will never leave. He will never forsake you. Hang on to that. When you believe that, when you live that, I'm telling you, you will not be the guy that disappears on the airplane because you don't like talking to people. You hear what I'm saying? I'm not chucking stones at you. And he goes on, my father which gave them uh, me is greater than all. No man is able to take them out of my hand. I and my father are one. Is that pretty plain? Tell us plainly, Jesus. Are you the one? My father and I are one. I don't think it gets any plainer than that. And the people really respected that. They liked that, right? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for shooting us straight. We asked you to tell us plainly. Man, I really, no, that's not what happened, is it? What happened? They pick up rocks. They want to kill him. And he's like, why are you going to kill me? What good works are you going to kill me for? Oh, we're not killing you because you did a good work. What did they say? Why did they want to kill him? Because you being a man, make yourself out to be God. Did they understand what he said? They knew exactly what he was saying. He spoke plainly. That's not the problem. He's still speaking plainly to us today. But I think we have the same issues today as we did back then. We don't like what we're hearing. We'll attack the messenger. Oh, Carl, he thinks he's better than us. No, I don't. I know I'm not. I'm a sinner saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You see anything worth anything, it's because of him. Whose voice are we listening to, though? Now, there's lots of voices that are coming after. So that's one of the things that I'm going to do in the time that I've got with you this morning, is I'm going to identify some of the voices that are speaking at us. Some of them may apply to you. Some may not. But it's something to be aware of. One of the voices that we're going to focus on big time is the media because that is a major voice in our, in our world today. And specifically, the internet. Let's take a, not a Christian source, let's take a secular source and let them identify how much time a generation is spending on the internet. Just the internet, okay? Those ages 8 to 18 spend more than 7.5 hours a day with smart devices. And by the way, in those 7.5, 8-hour days... They're so good at multitasking. You know what I mean by multitasking, right? Like I'm multitasking right now. I'm walking and talking. That's multitasking for me. I'm old. Hey, I'm multitasking. I'm walking and talking. Younger generation, oh, no. They're talking, they're texting, they're driving, and they're listening to music, okay? And when you take all those numbers and combine them up, they spend 11 hours. They get 11 hours of media in a a seven-and-a-half-hour day. And that doesn't include the time they spend texting, the half hour they talk on their cell phones. You see, guys, they get 11 hours of media in a a seven-and-a-half-hour day. And I always wonder, am I even awake 11 hours in a day? Because i got to get my 1 o'clock nap, and then about 3 o'clock I need just a little downtime. I don't even know that I'm awake that many hours in a day. 
11 hours of media in a day? You don't think it's a voice? You don't think it's having an impact? How many parents, grandparents, anybody that's got anybody younger than them that they care about would try and protect them from cocaine, alcohol? Anybody? Of course you would. What's the number two killer of teenagers today, junior high specifically? Just moved up within the last 10 months. Number two killer is suicide. Suicide. Leading cause of suicide is anxiety and depression. And I'm like, look, I've spoken to, I can't tell you how many camps this year. Just this year. I just spent, last week I spent a day and a half, because when I go up to a camp, day one, I put out index cards to the kids. And I say, here's camp this week, day one. You write down the questions that you're struggling with that are keeping you from selling out completely for the Lord Jesus Christ, why you can't trust the Word of God completely. You write those questions down, you get them to me, that's what we're dealing with this week. We're just dealing with your stuff. Oh, you're the missionary. No, I'm not the missionary. You're the missionary. We're losing 50 to 88% of you. I'm sick of it. And by the way, I don't think we're losing you. I don't think we ever had you. Shoot them straight. And that's what we deal with. So I spent a day and a half typing in all of those questions. And I now have a four-page document with all the questions that have been asked. And we're going after them. Pray for us on this. Myself and two of my other guys, we're, we're attacking every one of those. We're writing a, a response to them. We're going to put it up on our Facebook, or not Facebook, but our website, on our app. Say, here you go. Camper questions. Here's what we get. Can you answer them? We'll give you the answers. Pray for us on that. Let me go to a, I don't think she's a Christian, at least as far as I can tell. She's not. Let me let her talk to you for a second about the media, the impact that it's having, okay? Uh, Dr. Carolyn Lee. Teens are exposed to eight and a half hours on average of electronic media per day. According to the archives of general psychiatry, this increased simultaneous exposure to electronic media during the teenage years is associated with an increase in number two killer of teens today. The cause of it. And we will just drop off cell phones, internet access, and not monitor it because we don't understand it. Oh, I'm about to make myself very popular with the younger generation. I'm telling you right now, if I was a parent, praise God, I'm not with kids today. I am a parent, but not with younger kids today. My children are 33, 32. I got five grandchildren, and I am so thankful I'm not doing the parenting today. Because if I had children today, they would have a phone that was so dumb, it wouldn't even flip, okay? (laughs) Flip phone is way too advanced, okay? I'm talking about you can make a phone call. Texting? Uh, No. No. Because I want you to learn how to spell. And R is spelled A-R-E, not R. Okay? Eight is not a number. It's also a word. And it has multiple letters. You're going to learn how to write. But, But, Carl, my kids will get mad at me. That's okay. It's our job to make them mad. We're the parent. Well, we're not supposed to exasperate them. I understand that. But guys, it's my job to protect them. And just because I don't understand something, I don't just turn it over and not engage myself in it. This is a number one, number two killer of our teenagers today. And I'm just going to hand it over. Look about, think about this for a second. Would you allow anybody in your child's room, your grandchild's room that you don't know, just let them go in and you shut, let them shut the door. Would you allow that? I know I wouldn't. My kids got mad at me. Oh, Dad, you don't trust us. No, I don't. She did. My daughter said that. You don't trust me. I don't trust you. I love you. 
And I understand Satan is powerful. He doesn't play fair. He's coming after you. I'm coming after you as well. She's 33 now. Guess what? We moved when they went off to college. We moved to Kentucky. They went to the college, and uh, my daughter went to college in Grand Rapids. She graduates college. She calls home. Uh, Dad, we're coming home. We don't live in Chicago anymore. We moved to Kentucky. She moves down there. Look, during the high school years, she was strong-willed. Can we put it like that? We had a lot of conversations. You know what I'm talking about? But she knew Dad loved her, and Dad was not going down without a fight. You're my child. I love you. Guys, you can't give up on this stuff. Look at this. Norway, the Bergen Facebook addiction scale was developed in response to research showing that addiction to social media is proving to cause the same damage in the brain as addiction to alcohol and cocaine and is as addictive as drugs, alcohol, and chemical substance abuse. You have got to get engaged in this world. If you are just turning that tool over and you're not engaged with them, bad things are going to happen. Look, guys, I don't get a cut. There are things out there to help you as a parent, as, a, as a, an adult, to, to kind of curb some of these things. I mean, you got coveted eyes. There's something that can help you to monitor where they're going. You must get engaged in this world. I don't understand it. You would not do that in any other world. You wouldn't do that. I don't understand pornography, so just go do it. You wouldn't do that. You're going to get engaged. You have to get engaged. And I'm not chucking stones at you. Television, oh, there's a voice, is it not? Do you know how many hours young people, no, 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 not just young people. My generation spends watching TV. The average time my generation has spent watching TV is five hours a day. Five hours a day. And what kind of stuff are we watching? Well, this is where it got interesting. I went and I did some research. And we have some young folks in here today, so I have to be a little bit careful. The number one watched television programs last year, I went and I did the research, number one watched television program last year, because we don't have this year's totally done yet, so was uh, Game of Thrones. In full disclosure, I've seen one of those shows on TV, one, The Flash. And I don't watch it anymore. I'm sorry. It turned into girly love stuff, okay? I'm not into girly love stuff. I want to see things explode and, you know, that... But it's got to have a purpose for exploding. You know, not just explosion for explosion. It's got to have some good stuff. I haven't seen any of these. But I can tell you this. I know they're in the church. Because when I do youth and I talk to them, they can tell me what's going on. And Game of Thrones, parents, go read some secular writers about what's going on in Game of Thrones. Like I said, we have some young folks in here, so I'm not really going to go into it. Sensitive. Got to be sensitive to that stuff. But what's being depicted on there as normal is not normal. It is sick. You know, the scripture's pretty clear. What you let in will find its way out. So I'm telling you not to watch TV. I'm condemning you because you do watch these shows. No, I'm saying that if you're going to allow this stuff in, you better realize it will have an impact on you. Critically think about what you're doing and the example that you're setting for a generation that is watching us we are examples as leaders as to what is acceptable. And filling myself with bad things, be not deceived, evil communication, corrupt, uh, good manners. Psalm 101.3, I will sit in a wicked thing before mine eyes. Really? And I'm going to watch The Walking Dead because it has a good storyline? Are you kidding me? Be careful. Be careful. 
Video games. You know the amount of time younger generation plays video games? They spend 900 hours in a school. They spend 1,064 hours watching TV and 936 hours a year playing video games. Messages in video games? My son has a whole talk called uh, It's Not Just a Game because what he did is he went through the top-selling games. Oh, let me show you one, just one, Assassin's Creed. Top-selling video games. Forget about sex and violence. How is God, Jesus, the Bible, and Christians, how are they depicted in top-selling video games? Assassin's Creed is touted as one, ooh, teaching history to your children. It is teaching history, a revised history that undermines the Word of God. In one of the episodes of Assassin's Creed, they teach that Jesus didn't die on the cross. They came in and pulled him off of the cross and saved him off of the cross. He didn't really die. It teaches that the Word of God is a tool that's used for mind control. And so we have a generation that that's where they're getting their picture of Christians and Christianity from a video game that is absolutely undermining the Word of God. Be careful. Be careful what you let your child spend 936 hours a year playing. So I'm telling you to throw the games out. You know, I have never been a ban it and burn it guy. I don't think it works. I just personally don't think that it works. You will never watch TV. Really? You think that works? I've seen it over and over again where it doesn't work. Because then you get a generation that walks out of the house. They've not been taught how to think. They've been taught what to think. And then they get overrun because they're going to get confronted with this stuff. And if you don't teach them how to deal with it when they're confronted with it, you've not done your job as a parent. That may offend some of you. That may step on some of your toes. And I apologize about that. I personally believe we have to teach a generation how to deal with these things because I'm not always going to be there to tell them how to think. My son came to me a year and a half, almost two years ago now, and he said, Dad, I got rid of cable TV. Hold up. I have cable TV. I told you one of my favorite shows is The Voice. Did I tell my son to get rid of cable TV? No. He, this is what he said. And parents, young people, I give this to you. Try this. I'm not forcing you. I've done it. I didn't like what I saw. He said, Dad, I took a sheet of paper. I drew a line down the middle, line at the top. Left side, time spent glorifying God. Right side, time spent in the world. He said, I tracked for one week the amount of time that I was in prayer, reading the Word, in church, tallied it all up, and I thought I was doing so good because I spent an hour in prayer one week. Oh, I was doing good. He said, but then I looked at the other side. I got a problem with TV, Dad. He got rid of TV. Did I tell him to do it? No. When you teach a generation how to think, they own it, that's when lives get changed because they're not just doing it to check boxes. Legalism doesn't work. It destroys. We won't go to the rest of the games just because, oh, by the way, if you get tired of watching the TV show, you can play the show and, uh, yeah, get to choose who you want to chop heads off and all that kind of good stuff. Um, how about this? How about this? Families, there's a voice. That's an important voice. Wow. The family is a great voice. Here's where my heart breaks. Because I spend so much time. L let me just ADD moment. Let me just run down a bunny trail with you. The last camp I was at in southeast Kentucky, in the hills of Hazard, Kentucky, on the last night when they're doing the campfire, everybody's giving testimonies and all this stuff. One young lady gets up and she says, I just want to just let it go. I just want to release it. And I'm not talking Disney towel stuff. But she's like, I want to just... And she says, I live in a house. Everybody's on drugs. My whole family's on drugs. I was raped by my brother. Got pregnant. Two months ago, I got raped again. Lost the baby. 
and my mom blames me. And I'm finally releasing all of this. I'm finally releasing all of this. And I'm like, I go up and I talk to this young lady afterwards, and she was just, you know, I don't want to go deep on it, but it was, that was the kind of stuff she was dealing with. And I go up and I talk to her. How old are you? 16. You think God really wanted this? This isn't your fault. You're six, You're a child. You shouldn't have to deal with this. We live in a fallen world. But if you don't have that history in the Word of God to offer them hope, we have nothing. This generation is dark. This generation is a generation of death. I was blown away at the camps. I counted up. 56 years old, okay? 56. I counted up the number of people that I went through high school with that are dead. I counted six of them, okay? Six. We're a small school, you know, 103, I think, in my graduating class. Six out of the 103 that I know are dead. Go talk to the younger generation. I have not spoken at a youth group in the last two years that hasn't had somebody that's committed suicide within weeks or days of me coming and speaking to their youth group. They can name six people like that. And they're teenagers. It's a culture of death. Family is under attack. Southern Baptist Research, Southern Baptist Research, okay? The American Family and Crisis Research by the Southern Baptist Council on Family Life uncovers some disturbing facts. The majority of children in America have fewer than 10 minutes of significant and meaningful conversation with their parents each week. Think about this. TV, 1,064 hours a year. Video games, 936 hours a year, all right? And we wonder why 50 to 88% of the younger people, younger generation raised in the church are gone by the time they're age 18. I do not. If we are spending less than 10 minutes of significant, meaningful conversation with our children each week, we are not doing what God commanded us to do, which is to train up a child in the way they should go. We have, let's just be honest, we have abdicated that responsibility to the government, to the church, or to moms. Ladies, turn your ears off, because dad, biblically, we're the ones that are supposed to be involved in that process of training our children. That's our job. If we choose to let the government help us, that's cool, but you better be engaged. If you let the church help you, that's cool, but you better be engaged. If you let mom help you, there, fine. Did I make everybody mad? That's homeschool, that's Christian school, that's public school. Make everybody mad. I'm an equal opportunity, y'all matter, okay? Whoever you choose, Dad, to help you in your responsibility, be engaged. Because right now we're losing 50 to 88% and we want to blame the White House. It's not the White House's problem. We want to blame the schoolhouse. It's not the schoolhouse's problem. We want to blame the church. It is not the church house's problem. It's your and my house. When we, let me finish the rest of the quote. If you remove the mother, you can measure the statistic in seconds. When we fathers are spending seconds in meaningful conversation with our children each week, you should not wonder why we're losing them. Ladies, you can listen again. We have got to step up. Satan is going after them. Now, there's probably some single homes in here, so I better step up and say this. There may be some single moms in here, and you think I'm attacking you. I am not. We live in a fallen world. So, yes, I understand there's pressures and problems for the single parent that's trying to deal with these things. But that means, gentlemen, you don't have children? Yes, you do. Because there are some children in this church that need men to pour into their lives with single parents that are in here. It's the body of Christ, hands, feet, working together, multi-generational singing, training. Praise God you've got that going on. Don't let me, I'm not attacking you. I'm hopefully encouraging you in what you're doing. Keep it up. And if you're not, get engaged. There's needs. The 
family is under attack, guys. You see, I'm going to put it to you like this. We need to listen to the correct voice. And I know that you know where I'm going with this. The correct voice is the Word of God. But let's be honest. We have a generation that has been raised and trained and taught that this is an old, outdated book. It's filled with fairy tales and fables. It's not true. Science has proven that it's not true. So they don't trust it. My generation... We were taught this is an old, outdated book filled with fairy tales and fables. We went into church. We asked the question, what about the church told me? Good boys don't ask those questions. Children are to be seen and not heard. That's the way that I was treated in church. And guess what? It's still going on. The two most common things that I got from the, the just this last two months of camp, I had young people coming up. I ask questions, I'm told to be quiet and to not ask questions. That was one of the most common things that I got. God's a study to show yourself approved. You know, the whole study process requires asking questions. Church, we have got to create an environment where it come on in, bring it, let's deal with it. I don't know everything, but let's get in and go for it. Because I'll find some folks that can help me. I'll set a pattern for you how to go answer those things. I may not be able to do it, but I can help. Find, I can find somebody to help do it. We've got to create that environment. God says, come to me, all that are laboring and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am meek and lowly of heart. You're going to find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. That yoke word is interesting. That's another bunny trail. Just a short, short one, though. The yoke was the test that the rabbi gave to the wannabe, Talmudim was the word, but the, the disciple, the wannabe disciple, okay? A disciple would go to the rabbi and say, hey, I want to be your Talmudim. I want to I join your group. The rabbi would give them a test. And typically it was, well, how does this verse work with this verse? And can you memorize, did you memorize these whole books? I mean, they memorize the entire Old Testament, okay? And we think memorizing three verses in a month is a good thing. They memorized the whole Old Testament. But then when they went to the rabbi, how does this work on this? And it was like, it wasn't just straight memorization, it was application. What was Jesus' test? Did they come to him and say, we want to be your rabbi? Yeah, one guy did. What did he say? Go sell everything. And the guy walks away. How did he get most of his disciples? Follow me. That was the test. Are you going to get up out of your seat and follow me or not? But, 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 I don't know this, I don't know that. Get over it, church. That's not the test that Jesus has given you. He's saying, follow me. Let's go do something. That's the test. Now, you'll learn as you go. You'll get in and you'll study and you'll learn things. My yoke is easy. My test is easy. Either you get up and do something or you don't. I think the greatest gift we can give to this younger generation is confidence. An ability to be able to trust the Word of God from the first verse all the way to the end. And that's what I'm trying to do. Especially at this teen revolution. When we do our, it was fun in Pigeon Forge, two different talks in the workshops. One was bring the questions, we went for it. Then the other, we just went for Richard Dawkins and after his stuff. Look, it's not just intellectual exercise. It's not just arguments. It's not about arguing to win somebody into the kingdom. It's about showing that the Word of God is true and trustworthy and you can trust it. You see, confidence is the tool that I, the, the key that I want to give this generation. Because I look at what Jesus did. 
How do we impart confidence to a generation? I try to follow Jesus. Christian means Christ follower. That's all that word means. I'm supposed to look like Christ, act like Christ, talk like Christ. And Talmudim literally means to smell like Christ. Because if you traveled in his footsteps and lived with him day in and day out, you would smell like him. Now, I don't know what he smelled like, but I know how he spoke. And I know how he taught because he gave me his word. And watch what happens. Jesus dies on the cross. Some of the followers, right? Some of the followers, they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. They were so distraught. Did Jesus tell them that he was coming back? Yes, but they didn't understand it. So the day that he was coming back, these guys leave. Two of them are headed to the, uh, off to Emmaus or on the road to Emmaus. And what happens? Jesus comes up and he starts talking to them. Hey, what are you guys talking about? What manner of communication are these that you said to one another? And you're sad. And then the one, he turns to Jesus and he goes, Chicago attitude. What? Are you new or something? Are you the only one that hasn't been in Jerusalem? Don't you understand what's been going on? Jesus was the one, and now he's not the one. They didn't understand, and we can't understand it. They crucified him. You're struggling right now. God, I don't understand this. It just doesn't make any sense. Why would this happen? Why would that happen? I, why, 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 why? Watch what Jesus does. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart, to believe that all, all that the prophets have spoken ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. You want to understand why you're dealing with what you're dealing with now? You want to understand why there's bad things happening to good people? Do what Jesus did. He took them back to the beginning. Let me tell you what it was like in the beginning. Here's what I wanted for you. It's what I gave you. I gave you perfection. But you know what? In order for you to have a perfect relationship with me, I have to give you an opportunity to receive or reject. We are living in a time of ugliness because you rejected what I gave you. It's not God's fault we see the ugly, nasty things that we see. It's our fault. We rejected him. And even while we were rejecting him, he came and died for us. While we were spitting on him. He gave them a history lesson. He took them back to the beginning and explained and built that foundation so that they could understand why he had to do what he had to do on the cross. If you lose that history, why he did what he did on the cross makes no sense. Carl, you don't understand. Big community here. We're a small church. We don't have this. We don't have that. Mm -mm. That's not God. That's Satan. Because God turned the world upside down with 12 people. And there's more than 12 people in here right now. He can have an impact to humble folks that just say, Lord, hear my send me. Because we don't do the work. He does. He gives us the privilege of being along for the amazing ride that he's going to take us on. But it depends on whose voice we're listening to. And trust me, there's enough negativity in our world. There's enough, you're never going to do this, you're never going to do that. Look, I grew up with your fat, lazy slob. You're never going to amount to anything. Everything that I was ever told when I was a kid, all the negative, it's still in there. I'm a guy that will try and work. Oh, man, I'll outwork you in a heartbeat because that's where I had my value. This many days on the road, this many speaks in when I'm out. And you know the one thing that drives me crazy about Teen, teen Revolution? I'll be honest with you. I speak once a day. Once a day? Are you kidding me? I'm the guy that's supposed to speak four or five times a day, man. Because I'm trying to work my way in. 
I struggle with that. I'm not chucking stones at you. I'm preaching to me. Whose voice am I listening to? Because my tendency is to try to work my way in, and it won't happen. Remember Craig Wayne Boyd? He chose the old rugged cross, final eight, trying to get final four. He got voted in. He made it the final four. He ended up winning the entire season. But here's what struck me. Secular TV show, right? I want you to hear the question that he was asked. After he sang the old rugged cross, one of the judges, a guy named Pharrell Williams, who I am not attacking him by his own admission. You can go read it for yourselves. When he was asked, are you a Christian? He said, no, I am not. I was raised in the church. I'm a universalist. Okay? Jesus is not the only way to heaven. I'm not attacking him. That's his own admission. Okay? Not an attack fest. But I want you to listen to the question that this man asked Craig Wayne Boyd after he sang that song. Uh, let's start with Pharrell. What'd you think? Man, Craig, I get it, man. To God be the glory. I just... Amen. Going through, going through everything that you've gone through to get, your, get yourself here at this place, I have a question for you. What does it feel like to be at the top of your game and to surrender it to God in front of the whole entire world and sing? That's exactly what I said. I turned to my wife and I went, wow. This is a secular TV show. Would you like to hear how Craig Wayne Boyd answered that question? Fine. I mean, if you don't want to talk to me, I can. can. Would you like to hear? I'm not going to show you. Nope, I won't. Because here's the point. It doesn't matter how he answered. Here's what matters. Am I living my life in such a way that people would even think to ask me that question? I'm not chucking stones at you. When I got off that plane yesterday, did the two people that I sat next to even think? I won't tell you how I treated them. That's what asked me. Did I, re- did I reflect on you today, Lord? Checking into hotels, that person behind the counter, did they even think to ask me a question like that? When I go eat at a restaurant, the waiter, the waitress, did they even think that I was different? I'm not chucking stones at you. So it doesn't matter how he answered. How am I living my life? And if I am asked that question, how do I respond? Are you ready to respond to that question? That's the challenge. But I will show you somebody who did respond. He's a football player. Remember Fergus, Ferguson, the, the rioting and all the stuff that was going on? Remember all that going on? He was on ESPN, and he was asked a question about the rioting and the racial division, and I want you to hear how he responded. How can we, you know, black, white, whatever, improve this? Well, I, I, honestly, I think I, I point to it in the very last paragraph that I read, and, and I'm encouraged because things aren't the way they used to be. You know, we all have grandparents that, that told us how things were. We've all seen documentaries. We are definitely making progress, but I think on an individual, on a, uh, on a micro level, the issue is not really skin. The issue is sin. And I, I firmly believe that the issue is that internally we are flawed, internally 
we need salvation from our sin. Internally, our sin makes us prideful. It makes us judgmental. It makes us prejudiced, which leads to racism. It makes us lash out at people that don't look like us. It makes us look past, look past evidence to protect people that look like us. It, it makes us do all those things. It makes us lash out in anger. It makes us point finger. It, 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 it makes wow. us, our sin that's in us makes us do those things. And the only, the only salvation for this sin is the gospel. The only way to really cure that was on the inside is understanding that Jesus Christ died for our sins. And so, th to me, on a micro level, it's understanding. Oh, and just like that, we lost him. I know, I heard you guys rapping me. I just couldn't let him go. Benjamin Watson, thank you so much. Good luck at the game Sunday. I'm Brooke Baldwin. See you Monday. Jim Shudo, up next. Just like that, we lost him. Look, you're called to speak the truth and to do it in love. Tell us plainly, Jesus. They picked up rocks to kill him. He spoke the truth. You and I go out and speak the truth. They might cut us off. They might mock us. They might ridicule us. Some of our friends may unfriend us. That's okay. Because we want to hear our Heavenly Father say, Good, well done, good and faithful servant. That's who I am before Lord Jesus Christ. I'm on my face before him. That's my proper place on my face. But the crazy thing is, is the one that we sang about in the beginning, the creator of everything, loves us so much that he died for us. He comes over. He picks us up off the ground and gives us the right to walk with him as his child because of what he did, not because of what we do. You, 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 you are the light of the world. Are you shining? Am I shining? I'm not attacking you. But I'm going to leave you with two questions from Jesus, not from Carl. Matthew 16. Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Think about that question. Think of the implications. Who do men say that I am? Do you know what is required to answer that question, church? We have to be engaged with the lost. No more holy huddles. No more hiding away our faith. On Sunday we do our Sunday go to meeting thing, and then Monday through Saturday we disappear into the culture and blend in. No. Who do men say that I am? That means we have to be engaged with them, talking to them about Jesus. Or we can't know who they say he is. And then the last question that I'll leave you with is verse 15. Then he said unto them, who do you say that I am? Because you see, that's bottom line rubber meets the road. That's the question that every one of us are going to have to answer. And it doesn't matter what mom and dad say about that. It doesn't matter what grandma and grandpa says about that. It matters what I say about that. So, Father, help me. Take this simple offering and do something with it because nothing's worth anything unless you're in it. And so, God, you know me. I probably, no, I haven't. I have stumbled. I know I have somewhere along the way. So please take that rough edge and sand it down. But God, please take and use it to draw someone to yourself. Take it and use it for someone who is struggling a little bit with their faith today, God. Encourage them. Thank you, Jesus. You do amazing things with just broken pieces. So here we are, Lord. Use us and send us. And I'm going to ask you to do it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed for a moment. And we're just going to give this uh, invitation like this. First of all, obviously, 
I think the majority of this message was for the church. Those of us who have accepted Christ as our Savior. Now, the gospel was given clearly. I mean, Benjamin Watson, that football player, for just about a minute in that video, shared with you the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're all sinners. Jesus Christ died for our sins. If you're sitting in this building today and you do not know Christ, he invites you this morning to be saved. And and, and we're here for that purpose. If you are lost, come to Jesus. But if you are saved, what about it? Think about the challenge that Carl gave us this morning. What are we doing with our voices for Christ? We're in desperate need to to answer the question, why is it that we are that we've been silenced in, in our country today, in our world today? What, what's wrong? So I'm I'm so excited about this next week and what God is doing at Teen Revolution. But Teen Revolution is just two weeks out of the year. Mom and Dad and church family, we've got 52 Sundays a year to gather and and we've got 365 days a year to influence our young people. What are we doing? But that time. So I'm asking you to just respond as the Holy Spirit has dealt with your heart. I know that I'm under conviction. Listen, Carl didn't have to throw stones. I mean, he was clear about that. If you felt any sharp pain, it was the Holy Spirit. You see, the Word of God is sharp. It's sharp, man. It, listen, it, it pierces. The preacher doesn't have to do a whole lot if the Holy Spirit's active. He's working, and we prayed and sang, Come down, Holy Spirit. So if he's been here this morning and you felt his touch, if you felt this morning the call of salvation, you come. We'd love to talk with you. felt this morning the call of conviction to respond as a family, as a young person, a mom or a dad. Don't hesitate to take a moment. That's why we give this invitation. I'm going to pray. We'll stand and worship. Father. God, we turn over to you this time we've had together. God, we know that what we've heard has been a gift. It's been a gift. Lord, your servant has been used this morning to give us not just information, not just statistics, but scripture. Scripture, God, that gives us hope. Scripture, God, that gives us answers for a dying, lost world that doesn't understand how much you love them. Oh, God. May you do something in our hearts this morning. May you work this week at Teen Revolution. And may there be a revival that begins right here in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And spreads across the world because of what's happening in our services this morning. I love you. Please work. Please work in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand?